Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And I'm Josh. <laughs> and this is Josh. <laughs> That's right, everybody. We have Josh, Josh, and Jesse today. Or Josh, Jesse, and Josh. I don't know. Is it like a Josh sandwich or is it like a... Jesse sandwich with Josh as the bread. Yeah, I think that's probably more <laughs> applicable. It's still... It's it's a gross metaphor either way. And I feel very outnumbered. <laughs> uh, anyway, we have a very special episode today, obviously, because we have Josh back on, um, which is a fantastic pleasure, which I'm very excited about. Um, if you don't know, Josh helps us run our blog. So he's got beautiful writing skills that we don't mm. have and makes everything nice. And he also helps our website stay good. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yep. <laughs> and, um, today we're talking, we're continuing. This is the final part about our series about how to invest in your local church. Woohoo! So we thought that we would bring um, Josh onto the podcast to talk about some of the stuff that we may have missed and some of the things that he may have, uh, you know, gathered, collated over his many years of ministry, wisdom. Um, he's got the beard for it. So today, that's what we're going to be talking about. So I'm excited to finish off this series with our very own uh, Pastor Josh Wood. Yes, it's very good. It's very good. Mm. It's good to be And with before Josh we Wood. get into that, um, we didn't we didn't pre-plan this, but uh, I've got to, We've got to do our question of the week. Yes, and uh, so recently I did an AMA on my Instagram, um, which was a really weird experience. And ask me anything. Sorry, I, yeah. Um, I don't know why I did it, but it was actually really fun. I had a great time. I had lots of questions. But anyway, um, one of the highlight questions for me that I thought we should do on this show was: if you were a farmer, what would you farm? What would be your, your your what would you farm? So all three of us can answer it this time. Now I'm gonna say my answer first because I don't want anyone to steal it. <laughs> but I would hands down be a potato farmer because potatoes are versatile. I love uh, I love potatoes. They're great. And uh, technically, I'm Irish by descent. Ascent, I was gonna say. So, am I allowed to steal your answer, or I have to have something completely different? You need to have your own. <laughs> That's why I answered first. I'm going to go next so that Jesse doesn't steal mine. <laughs> yep, all right. Fine, fine. I'll take the rubbish because answer at the end. Potatoes, simply for the same reason, they're so versatile. But the other thing that's so versatile is a pumpkin. Oh, because you've got oh nice. Of pumpkin and you can make like pumpkin scones or pumpkin soup and it can be like sweet or savory almost. So I would do pumpkins. I think it's also quite apt the potato is yours being that even your Siri is Irish. <laughs> Yes, that's something I had to share with the group just before. <laughs> um, I don't even anyway. know. I don't even know. It was crazy. Well, yeah. I don't, it's, I don't know why. I just love the Irish accent. So anytime I can surround myself with it, that's why I watch black books. Mm. Um, <laughs> Dylan Moran is actually coming to Hamilton, so I should go and see it while he's here. But anyway, Whoa. he's a guy from black books. Yeah. That's um, cool. Can I ask Josh about the potatoes you would farm? Is there a particular breed? Is that what you say? Breed? Species <laughs> of pumpkin? I think species. Um, yeah, I think it's species. I don't know. Um, are you asking me about pumpkin or potato? 
I'm asking you about. Well, I feel like there's only one kind of. Are there more than one kind of potato? No, there are lots of kinds of potatoes actually. There's a lot of potato. Yeah, there's hundreds. Yeah, I just go with the most standard. I don't know what it's called, but I just go for the standard potato. Yeah. Um, but would you go for what kind of pumpkin would you go for? Because there's no real standard pumpkin. There's three main types of pumpkin in my mind, and that's grey. Um. Yep. Then you've got butternut, mm-hmm. and then the yeah, third one is me. Uh, Queensland blue. Uh, Blue, that's the one. See, you know what I mean. Yeah. But it's interesting because in America, butternut pumpkin is butternut squash. Yes. Um, right. Or in North America, not just America. Um, but butternut pumpkin, or as they would say, butternut squash, is probably one of my favorites because it's actually enough. Cause it's just my wife and I at home. And like mm. a full gray or a full blue is just too big. Yeah. So mm. butternut's enough for two people. Mm. Yeah. True. I agree. I agree. I have two butternut pumpkins in my pantry right now, and they are beautiful. They last forever as well. Like, they don't last forever, ever, but they still last a long, long time, longer than your average vegetable when you, like, buy it and just put it on the shelf, which is just brilliant. I went to a lunch at a friend's house once, and um, they served us up pumpkin. <laughs> and one of my other friends who was there was like, that pumpkin was amazing. What did you do to it? And they said, it was just sitting in the cupboard for 18 months. <laughs> That is festy. That is so festy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. Oh that's amazing. What is this seasoning? <laughs> anyway, okay, sorry. All right. It ages that like is fine so good. cheese. Okay, and if you did pumpkin farming as well, we could do like the jack-o'-lantern things, mm. but we'd have to do like a Christian version, I guess, because... It's lanterns. Not jack-o'-lanterns, just lanterns. <laughs> just pumpkin-flavoured lanterns. You could just type out, like, mm. Jesus loves you in lettering, and it could be, you know, it could be illuminated. That would be cool. True. Good yeah. suggestion. All right, and Jesse, take us home. What would you farm? Um, Without a doubt, tomatoes. Got to be tomatoes. Yeah, I know. Really? That's your, like, without a doubt, tomatoes. <laughs> No, there are so many different varieties of tomatoes. I love I love greenhouses as well, like being able to create like a humid environment. Like uh, Josh had a church member, which became a church member of mine, who created a greenhouse out of like very cheap materials um, in one of the coldest, wettest parts of New Zealand. And it was brilliant. And um, he showed me through it one time and there were tomatoes everywhere and there were all sorts of amazing exotic fruits and, and vegetables. But I just love tomatoes. I I make a lot of pasta at home. I make a lot of pizza. Um, I make a lot of things which Josh can't eat. Um, <laughs> um, Josh, thanks, stothers, thanks for rubbing that, that in, Jesse. So <laughs> necessary to bring up the I'm fact that I can't sorry. eat gluten or dairy. I'm sorry, um, you're not sorry. But um, yeah, a lot of what I cook has tomatoes in it salads tomato sauces soups and stews um yeah so i think if i could choose it would be tomatoes you can get cherry tomatoes plum tomatoes um heirloom tomatoes all sorts of amazing tomatoes yeah i love i love tomatoes i don't know i just yeah i'm I'm not afraid to admit that i love tomatoes you know (laughs) sweet we're all such standard farmers. I was kind of hoping someone be, would be like, I would farm. I can't, I can't even. I'm such a. Ugh. What? Kale. Ugh. Kale. 
<laughs> Sorry for all the kale lovers. I'm sure we got a lot of people who just unsubscribed because of that reaction to kale. But anyway, but that's the problem with a lot of exotic uh, vegetables is a lot of them only have like a few good uses. Like kale's good, but it only has a few good uses. Put it in a smoothie, maybe put it in a stir fry, maybe. Yeah, that that's also a good use. You can put it in the oven and make kale chips. Oh, pretty good. Oh. Yeah, I had that once with a bit of bit of salt. Oh. Yeah, it was nice. Mm. All right. Anyway, okay, that's enough of this talk. We should. No, it was really nice. I liked. I liked talking about that. All right. We, but we got to talk about our topic for the day. Well, actually, we kind of have four topics for the day, don't we? Yeah. In four a way. categories. As we do. <laughs> so, so Josh, Josh Wood. Ah, oh, this is going to be so difficult to. I remember last time you were on the podcast. Let's just refer to me by the bald ginger or the BG. All right, the BG. Yeah, the BG. BG. Which is not to be confused with, you know, Barry Gibb and, you know, (laughs) Islands in the Stream and Grease is the Word and, you know, Jive talking and all that kind of thing. (laughs) It could be, though. I think that's all you, Josh. (laughs) Yeah. Do I have to call you BG as well? Because to me, you're just Josh, but obviously that doesn't work. Look, it makes sense to me. Call me whatever you like. <laughs> cool. Okay. cool. This is definitely not needlessly complicated and makes our no. lives a lot easier in this podcast situation. <laughs> we need a second Jesse. That's what we need. That would make this make way more sense. I can think of a second Jesse who could gladly come on the podcast and talk our ears off. So that is not a, that would not be an issue. Mm, I think we all <laughs> yes, would enjoy that. Maybe one day. I think it would be kind of fun. But yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway. Um, so, how to invest in your local church. Uh, we're back, we're in it, we're here, we're finishing up the series and we thought, finish up with a bang, Josh has got four, bam, big points um, or big ideas that we're going to explore together and I'm really excited about it. So, Josh, just take the wheel. <laughs> Josh, take the wheel. Oh, I was waiting for that, that transition. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> One of my big ideas which has its challenges, but if you want to invest in the local church, actually invest in the local church. That is, if you live in suburb A, find the church that is in suburb A rather than the church that is 40 minutes away across the other side of the city. Um, Make your attendance local, get local, be in the local church. That way you can actually invest all of the different things that have been discussed this month on the podcast. The the things that you might criticize, you won't be as readily able to criticize. The things that you're frustrated about, you're actually in a position to help fix. Um, and the things that you might want to you know, incite a revolution about, it's a lot easier to do so if it's local. Mm. Interesting. I feel like... Uh... That's a, that's a pretty big culture shift for us. I mean, I know so many people who will bypass several churches to get to the one they want to get to. Yeah, well, I put it to you this way. So even, you know, you guys are probably in a similar situation to me. So as a pastor, I'm at two churches at the moment, but neither of those churches are local to me because my wife and I have chosen to live somewhere that's actually convenient for all of the workplaces we need to be at. Um, which means that we're all, well, we all, the two of us are traveling distances to get to our workplaces. So I drive 
15 minutes in one direction down the highway or the freeway or whatever road you want to call that you go really fast on <laughs> to get to one church and then 25 minutes in the other direction on that same road to get to the other church um, but I'm not actually local in those churches myself. So it's a challenge even for me to say that because I recognize that it's hard. Having said that, if I want to be local in the church that I have that's in the center of Melbourne, um, to buy like a two-bedroom townhouse there, you're looking at minimum $2.5 million. Wow. If I, wanted to rent that, if I wanted to rent that same apartment in that local community, I would be looking to pay $1,200. Australian dollars a week. A um, week? Which, a week. What? So I, I recognize there are challenges to getting local. Yeah. Uh, and it's a matter of how do we how do we work through those challenges in order to to actually achieve something better. Having said that, I do know some people, some friends of mine who live the next suburb over from that church who are probably, I'm guessing, paying six or seven hundred dollars a week so you can perhaps just go literally one postcode over can be the difference between being able to afford to eat and not being able to afford to eat yeah i think there's probably like that's an extreme example but not everybody thankfully has that made if you live in a large city then that may be a reality but as you said going one suburb over may mean the difference between double the rent or double the the mortgage (laughs) yeah yeah i've got one i went and visited a church literally the other side of melbourne city um not even in melbourne so it's that far the other side of the city in a little i'm going to call it a little town called melton um and from my house to that church was 75 kilometers Mm. um and as i was driving to that church i'm like why do these roads seem familiar um, and then it occurred to me that I have a member from one of my churches who lives literally a two-minute drive from the Melton Church but travels 45 minutes plus to get to the church that they attend. Wow. Wow. So I, I make to ask my church members, why do you attend this church when you have driven past 10 or 12 churches to get here? Hmm. So why do you think a lot of people will skip the churches that are actually closest to them? Like what are the biggest reasons that we see? Like, I'm sure our listeners have their own sort of reasons, but like, what are the reasons you see? One of the, one of the big ones that has come to me uh, through asking that question is, this is the church that perhaps they used to live nearby um, okay. and they've moved house two or three times since then, but this has been their home church. Um, another one that's quite large is, this is the church that I was attending when I was growing up. So this is the family church. And even though that I now live somewhere else, this is still my home church. So it's not so much that they've perhaps chosen that church because they've tested every other church around. It's more that there's a history there. Um, yeah. that is Another big one um, and probably the, the bigger one that people are thinking is that it is around perhaps worship style. That style's not for me. Um, yeah. I want something that's more traditional or I want something that's more contemporary um, and I know that there are a couple of churches in Melbourne that have that commuter mentality that everyone comes from all over because it's the style that they like. The challenge that, that we have, um, at least in Melbourne, I don't know whether this would be the, the case in the cities in New Zealand or in other areas of the world. In my One of my churches is North Fitzroy Church, which is the first Adventist church in Australia. It's 133 years old. My goodness. Uh, and, uh, yeah. 
it's old old um <laughs> it's like real old yeah wow but there are there are essentially three established churches in the center of melbourne and all of them are quite traditional in their approach to worship and corporate worship uh which i think is quite challenging because if you look at the demographics who live in the inner cities of developed cities in the world they're not generally traditional thinking people they're more progressive and contemporary thinking people so sometimes then the type of church environment is completely countercultural to the community in which it finds itself in which is perhaps where some of the the notion of find that local church can be challenging mm. because it doesn't match the community in which it exists yeah mm. yeah so i think one question that a lot of listeners will be having is what if the local church that's near me sucks? <laughs> you know, yes. like I, I, you know, most people probably wouldn't put it in those terms. But what if the local church that's near me, it just does not jive. I mean, you you mentioned worship style, but there's other things like friendliness and relative, like you know, being relevant to society and just being yeah, a nice you're church. You're not to be. right? Yeah, exactly. The basics. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think part of the challenge there is that, honestly, even the pastors at those church know that there are challenges there. Yeah. I'd say even members at that church know there are challenges there. But those people are faithful to that church, even though there are challenges. Uh, and they recognize there is need to perhaps change the culture or change what happens or how things are done. But they just don't have the energy anymore they don't have the drive they don't have the the range of different people they need uh so if you're looking at those churches and saying well that sucks i want to go to a church that's a bit more vibrant there's probably 20 people before you that have had the same mentality and if only one of them had stopped to say that sucks and i'm going to ensure that i go there to to make it better for someone else then i think that would go a long way to ensuring that it doesn't suck because church isn't about what you're getting out of it it's about what you can contribute to the wider community to make it better for everyone in the long run. Mm, that is so good. And I think it really, yeah, it really combats that sort of like consumer mentality to think, yeah, what can I contribute if I go rather than what can I get out of it? That's huge and a massive problem affecting our churches all around the world. Not even just our denomination, just everywhere. So, yeah, so, Christian in general. Mm, yeah. I was, I was listening to... Um, I think it was the Unsuck Church podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and they were talking about how for a lot of unchurched people, um, 20 minutes is generally the rule of thumb when it comes to deciding whether they will or will not attend a new church. So if, if there's a church that is really great, let's say in Melbourne, there are two churches that are amazing, you know, one's well, in... They are I pastor at. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but they also happen to be... What did you say? 50, 45, 50 minutes apart from each other? Yeah. Right. So there's a there's a decision that somebody has to make. Am I go to this going to go to this amazing church that's 40, 50 minutes away from me or am I going to go to this local church which is 10, 15, 20, let's say at the max, but it just so happens that that local church isn't really unchurch person friendly? then chances are that unchurched person is going to check out completely because even if church A, let's say the 45-minute one, is amazing, they're not going to drive 45 minutes every Saturday or every Sunday just to attend an amazing church 
because the level of commitment is just not there with an unchurched person and why should it be? So it seems to me when you're speaking about go local, what you're really saying is the local churches that we have, we need good people in those churches to help unchurched people feel really at home and really welcome so that when they come through that door, there is somebody who is invested in that local church, even if they're working through some of those issues that can help that unchurched person feel welcome rather than you everybody really going good. to the... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because if if someone is going to walk in off the street, which doesn't happen as often as it perhaps used to, but if someone does walk in off the street, if no one there is local, then they can't actually connect with anyone uh, because none of them are going to be there tomorrow or the next week or, you know, down at the local supermarket or whatever it is because they're not local themselves. Um, the other thing, you know, that driving 40, 50 minutes is if you're driving 40 or 50 minutes to get to church, then you're driving 40 or 50 minutes to get home from church as yeah. well. So you've just lost an hour and a half of time that you could have invested in being involved in ministry at the local church just by sitting in the car. Mm. Huge. <clears throat> it's huge. And, and it compounds over time. Yeah. You know, there's probably somebody driving 40 minutes to church listening to this podcast right now feeling so guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and so well, we you love should. You anyway. <laughs> wow. No, so good. I love that. So actually attending your local church, it's a big culture shift, um, but could actually, I mean, I love what you're bringing up there, Jesse. It could actually bring a huge amount of difference to, I don't know, just reaching local people. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Like, I mean, how much more, I, I was even thinking just then, like, if you lived, you know, just, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes away from your church and somebody came and you wanted to invite them home for lunch, like you'd be way more inclined to do that if you're only, I mean, you have to be a hosp- hosp- hospitable person, I guess. Um, you'd be way more inclined to do that. Like we live half an hour away from our church and that's because there isn't a church where we are. So it's actually my closest church is half an hour away. But um, like we could never invite someone home for lunch because it's like half an hour. I wouldn't, that's just unreasonable, you know, <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> to invite them. Even just to come around for like afternoon tea or something. I don't know. Like it's, but if I was closer, maybe I would. Maybe I'd be more inclined to. I have a, I have a story about that for point number four. So, um, oh yeah. So we should make some tracks to get towards point number four. <laughs> um, point number two, if I can move on to number two, is very similar to to invest in the local church, um, which really follows on from what Jesse was sharing. Is actually be present in the local community as well. That is you can't really segregate or compartmentalize your work life, your school life, your uni life from your church life. The, the Bible is very clear that the church is not a building, but a people. Uh, yet I think we still have that mentality as, as if I can use the term established Christians. Um, I think we still have this mentality that the church is a building or the church is a place rather than the church is you and I. Um, what would it look like if we said to people, how did you church this week as they come to church each week? That is, how did you be the hands and feet of Jesus? How were you the reflection of the light of the world? How were you the salt of the earth this week? And one of the things that I would love to do, I've never seen it done, but I'd love to see it done, is if every member of the church board had a, had a requirement to be involved in the local community in some formal way. So whether they're a member of the Rotary Club, the local council um Mm. the the secretary of the local basketball association 
you name it, but they have to be involved in some kind of community activity or community group so that the church then, which is the people, is actually now part of the community rather than just a building. Hmm. Wow. That would be pretty cool. Like, so to even be on the board, you have to be like pretty, pretty involved. Like, so what, not just, not just, I guess, playing in a local basketball team, but like actually having a hand in that group. Yeah. Right. That's the first step. Then, you know, we'll take those who are just playing, but let's encourage our church members to be active parts of the local community as well. Mm. I'll give an example. Mm. At my last church, we were undertaking a building program, which was seen to be a little controversial by some of the neighbors. Um, And when they were doing part of the building program, the footpath or the sidewalk was blocked off so that the trucks and things could get in and out. And there was traffic management there so that the cars and everything could come through. But we got an email from one lady who said, um, because the traffic management wasn't apparently operating effectively, you know, you need to manage this better because my kids need to cross the road to get to school. Um, So that was one comment. And we were able to engage with that lady and say, we're really sorry about that. We'll... We'll talk with the the building company. Got an email from another guy, which was on a separate issue when we did some letterboxing, um, which is, you know, traditional Christian stuff to do. And mm-hmm. he had a note on his letterbox. It was no junk mail, please. And so he sent us an email saying, I don't want this in my letterbox. And he gave me his address. But when I Googled it, and when I actually walked down the street, his address was a unit complex and he didn't tell me which unit he was in. So I'm like, well, I, I'm happy to tell all of the volunteers at the church, especially when you're letterboxing, please don't put one in this specific letterbox because he's made a very specific request. Um, so I sent that to him and he sent back and he said, if you wanted to actually be part of this community, even though that church had been there for 70 years before he had been there as a local resident, then why don't you come along to the local neighborhood watch meetings or be part of the community in some way? And I thought, valid point. Like, mm-hmm. how can we expect to be part of the community and minister to the community if we're not in the community? Mm. So I made an effort to go to the next Neighbourhood Watch meeting, signed up myself for the Neighbourhood Watch meeting, never saw the guy there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Valid. Like, yeah. just because he's not there doesn't mean we shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. People who care about the community are part of the community groups. Yeah. And I think this is something which, like, <laughs> a, a little a little cheeky part of me thinks, oh, yes, we must be in the community, but not of the community. You know, just want to kind of take the mickey out of oh that goodness. old adage, which yeah. just gets bandied about so much. But I think what you're saying is so valid. It's, do we actually care about people? And I think we, we often forget that. Like, we say that we care, but we show that we really don't care. We We... We say one thing and then we basically demonstrate another that maybe we think of people more as projects or more as, you know, points to get on a scoreboard or, you know, converts to bring into our church doors. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's a really challenging thing. And um, yeah, again, it comes back to, I think, what, something that we've talked about a little bit over this month, which is to actually be involved um, in your community uh, and involved in people's lives, not simply to make converts, but to actually show that you care. Yeah. And the whole, this is my, my challenge to that be in the community, but not of the community, or be in the world and not of the world. That actually requires you to have a foot in the world. Like, we can't go to the extreme where it's like, no, segregate everything, compartmentalize everything, don't associate with those people. You can't minister 
to the world if you're not of the world or in the world because you actually need to understand what they're thinking the conversations they're having the challenges they're going through and i think that it's really important for church folk to recognize that yes it's a balancing act but it's one we need to take more seriously Mm. and yeah and i guess like it's probably somebody listening now who's thinking like oh my gosh i'm already so involved with my church like how could i possibly get the time to be involved in something in my local community as well there are a lot of things you can do in your community that don't really require that much of a time commitment um i used to be on the palmerston north community arts center board and they met like i don't know I didn't, I mean, I only signed up halfway through the year that I moved. So I wasn't really there that long, but they only met <laughs> once or twice while I was there. So it's like once a quarter, I think, or maybe, maybe once a, yeah. I don't know if they've changed that, but still like that's a big community um, group to be a part of. And I love the arts. So like it was really important to me, but then, you know, the commitment was only once a quarter. Like, so it was like one meeting, yeah, once every few months. So like, you can be involved in the community in a way that's not even uh, like as big a time because church can be a huge time commitment, obviously. Mm. Um, but yeah, you can do it in. You, there are things you can do that aren't as big as like a weekly meeting or something like that. So true, but I'd, I'd also say, Josh, that yes, you could be so busy in the church, but. Has the church actually stopped to think, are we doing too much and not actually achieving anything with it? Because I think sometimes in church we over-program yeah. so that <laughs> we think that we're doing things when in actual fact we're doing things just for ourselves. This is also true, yes. This is why I really like the book Simple Church. <laughs> um, yeah, Amen. that's another angle of it. But yeah. yeah, I mean, even like why... like. For example, like, why does your church run a vegetarian cooking class when there's already community cooking classes that you could be a part of as a church? Or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, we just run, we just run things all the time and then wonder why our members have no um, non-Christian friends or something like that. Like, they only know people inside the church. Yeah. I did this um, with one of my churches just recently. I said, let's have a look at our, our mission statement um, and maybe review it. And so the elders had a look at it and I said to them, I actually don't have anything wrong with this mission statement, but my question is, are we, are we actually working to it? Mm. Are we asking the question when someone says, I've got this great ministry idea, does this actually fit with the reason for why we exist? Yeah. 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 That's why it's so important to have a good, um, vibrant, robust vision or mission statement or purpose statement or whatever, so that everybody understands alignment and everybody understands how every ministry contributes to the greater whole um like my church at the moment we're talking about um moving and we've been in this space for 11 years that we're just leasing uh, not leasing rather hiring we're talking about leasing so having a permanent a permanent place that we rent every every single week um and it started this conversation around well what are we going to do? Like if we have this place that we are in 24 seven, well, are we going to do more than just, you know, have a service every week and maybe do small groups or whatever? Like, and, yeah. and so it started this whole conversation around what's, what's possible. And one of the things which credit, credit to go where, where credit's due, people in my church have started talking about, well, what if our church was filled every single day not necessarily just with church activity, but with community activity as well. You know, 
What if we were hiring out, uh, subletting our space for community organizations so that the church space, which is, it's an office block that we're talking about leasing, um, is filled with people that don't even go to our church and who may never even come to our church. And that's the sort of thing that really gets me excited. Um, you're not only providing a service in the community, but you're also just making incredible like connections. So yeah, it's a really exciting time to be able to consider that. And there are so many of our churches today that are just sitting there empty um, that have incredible potential for, for our community, not just of being, us being able to go out into our community, which is what we're talking about, but being able to invite them in um, to be able to use it, but not necessarily feel like they have to come to church. Yeah, solid effort. All right, be be maybe center. <laughs> All right, what's number three? What's number three? Let's let's move on. Uh, number three is what I've listed as take church seriously, and it sounds silly or it might sound cliche, but what I mean by that is how much of your again inverted commas personal time, because as much as we don't want to compartmentalize our life, we all do. How much of your personal time are you willing to sacrifice for church? Uh, how much of your personal efforts are you willing to sacrifice for church? How much of your personal finances are you willing to sacrifice for church? I think a lot of the time we think, you know, oh, I've got an old computer. I don't really want to throw it out. Maybe I'll just give it to the church. Um, <laughs> one thing with that, how about if you're that passionate about giving the church a new computer, actually buy them a new computer <laughs> rather than giving them something eight years old? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing around taking church seriously is when you think of like church boards, um, you know, generally they're held in the evening, at least in this part of the world, in my experience, it's been held a weeknight during the evening. Some people will get there. Some people won't. Um, and my question is how seriously do we take the appointment that we have to sit on a church board? Because if you were appointed to sit on the board of say, Apple or Samsung, just to make both Android and Apple users happy, uh, you would actually take time out of your personal life or out of your professional life, unpaid, mm. to go and sit on that board of that giant corporation. Why don't we take that same approach with our church community? Why are we not willing to sacrifice some of that that additional time for the sake of the church community? Because ultimately, the work of the church is vitally more important than the work of Apple or the work of Google or the work of whatever it is. What? Because we're talking about souls and we're talking about kingdom growth. Yeah. We're not talking about bottom line profit. But Josh, have you seen the iPhone 11? No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I have. I've decided that I can't justify the lack of innovation from Apple at this point in time. Uh, I'm enough. sure the 12 will be, will be better. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, but six times. <laughs> but you're completely right, though. Like, I mean, this is why we took so much time to talk about church board, because it's actually a serious opportunity to do so much, and so many people are just like, ah, oh, no, that's just for like the old people or whatever. That's people who actually mm. care. But I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean the people who actually care? Do you not actually care? Because you're complaining to me, like you actually care. But then are you actually willing to do action? Mm. I don't know. There's yeah, a lot of actuallys in there. Sorry. Actually provide a solution. Yeah. 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 And it this is the thing. This, this is the thing. Like you you can 
provide change and you can be a conduit for change. It just requires a little bit of effort and a little bit of time and a little bit of dedication. Like what Josh is talking about here, or what BG is talking about here is not even, <laughs> is not even that much of an investment. Like when he's saying be serious about church, go to your business meeting, go to your board meeting if you sit on the board. Like that's maybe once a month and you know as a as a business meeting that's once a quarter like if if your church is like doing a lot of business meetings that's once a quarter that's once that's four times a year that's not yeah. actually that much and two maybe three hours but generally yeah. two hours yeah like can you not find eight hours out of your year <laughs> your entire year <laughs> i think the busiest person in the world could find eight hours out of their entire year. Considering that statistics show that millennials and Gen Z are spending on average four to six hours on their phone every day. Yep. Like, yep. surely you can find eight hours out, out of your year to invest in the local church. I'm sure you could make it work. <laughs> but what about Clash of Clans? No, I'm sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like... I actually think that's a valid point, Josh, because... What we're what we're trying to do is not not so much clash of clans is valid. Okay, yeah. It may be depending on who you are. But <laughs> young people today are actually, and this is going to sound really. I have no research to back this up, but this is my anecdotal observations. Young people today are better cognitively if they're multitasking on their device. Mm. So if they're playing a game or you know whatever it is. They actually may look like they're disengaged or disinterested, but that's actually how they process things because there's so much information in this world today that they kind of can't really focus on one thing. They need to have a couple of things or something a little bit kind of dead brain happening at the same time for them to yeah. process. At least that's part of my experience and what I've seen in in some young people today. Hmm. I kind of want to. I kind of want to see if there's an actual study that that backs it up now, because that that would be a really interesting breakthrough in human psychology if that was actually the case. Or maybe it's just that technology has screwed our brains up so much that that's what we need to do to be able to actually survive in this day and age. Well, yeah. Like I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, I think you've got a point because I remember. I don't know. I feel feel like we're so used to sort of like a sensory overload. That if we go to something that's kind of boring, uh, maybe, and I think we should probably learn to deal with boring things because that's probably good for the brain. But like, we're not, yeah, I think like we need to keep overloading it to stay st like stimulated in a way. Like, I was, what was it? It was a while ago now, but I was playing a game on, on my Switch and I was actually kind of bored. And so I started listening to a podcast while I was playing. And all of a sudden I felt like, wow, this is a great experience. I'm learning, I'm playing. And it was a pretty engaging game too. So it wasn't like a, yeah. And I remember afterwards, I was like, man, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I just enjoy one thing? But I don't know. I, maybe I'm broken and I'm just broadcasting it to the world. Hey, everyone. <laughs> uh, I've got two quotes that go with, with kind of what we're talking about. My conference president a few years ago said to me, why are they called board meetings? Because they're long and hard. Uh, <laughs> that's a dad joke if I ever I heard one. Like my, my favorite quote when it comes to, to Christians, especially the Adventist church, I think at, at this point in time, and I don't say this as a, a criticism necessarily as much as it is, because I want to work, I want to do the best I can to try and make this not the reality. 
But the criticism has been made, and the best way to sum it up is that we waste hours taking minutes. <laughs> that is, we, we waste hours taking minutes of meetings yeah. um, rather than doing things. And as much as I want to say take church seriously, it's not just about the board meeting. You know, it comes back to what you guys were talking about in the, the list of seven things that you can do to incite an insurrection. It's like take church seriously enough that you rock up on time. Mm-hmm. Take church seriously enough that you sit at the front. Take church seriously seriously enough that you pray for your church leaders, you pray for your church community. Um, take church seriously enough that it's not just what you do on the weekend, but it's permeating all aspects of your week. Mm. Mm. That's so good. And like, I, honestly, if even a few people in the church actually did this, the difference it could make would be astounding. <sighs> yeah, I get chills just thinking about it. Mm. I love awesome. it. Awesome. All right. Go for it. Yes. Um, and there's there's actually been research to show that this, um, but just eat together. Like we we talk about you know going to church and getting spiritual food, um, but what about physical food? Like mm. let's actually eat a meal together, or let's snack together, or let's mm. just do life together in those smaller moments. Um, and the, the study that I'm referring to actually said that, uh, or anecdotally, if you have, you know, a difficult board or business meeting or whatever, go out the night before your meeting and have a meal together. And you'll be surprised by how seamlessly the meeting goes the next day. Mm-hmm. Because food breaks down barriers. Mm. True. Mm. And to be sure, we're not talking about taking your, your church board out to a restaurant and like, getting them plastered so that they make the, the, the items go easier. Oh, it's, it's like potluck at, at home type thing or a picnic in the park or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I'm going to expose myself. Um, this podcast comes out about two weeks after we record. So to the church that I'm referring to, I'm sorry. Um, but the church, that, <laughs> that one of the churches that I'm at has a sign Um that pretty much says no food or drink on carpeted areas, oh, yes. um, which I get. I get the reality of it. Um, we don't want to destroy the carpet, but at the same time, young people especially connect over food. Um, and so this past week, um, as one of the pastors at this church, I went into the youth Sabbath school class or the youth Bible study class for those who are not in the Adventist church, uh, and I bought some snacks. Um, into the carpeted area. <gasps> I know, right? Um, and my, my logic was, I'm actually not concerned about the rules of the church per se, as I am about ensuring people have an opportunity to connect properly. And so we had snacks there. Then later on that same day, we invited all of the youth and teens to come to our house and our house is tiny. Like at most you can fit probably eight to 10 people comfortably in our house. Um, so we invited the youth and teens to come over just for an afternoon question and answer. You know, what are the tough questions you're, you're wanting to battle with but you actually don't feel as though you have permission to. Um, and so we invited them over, but in order to, to facilitate that, we just had like a plethora of food that we could snack on all afternoon because Without food, 
it seems more like a formal meeting, a stuffy environment where you can't really relax. In this day and age, I honestly think that people are far more relaxed if they have like a muffin in one hand and a drink in the other mm. um, because, you know, if you're catching up with friends or you're at the office as, a, as an office worker, you actually connect with your colleagues on break time. And on break time, what are you doing? You're snacking and you're drinking. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a social lubrication. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And in some ways, I suppose and you so, could say it's also like a spiritual lubrication. Yeah, you could. Because the the deep questions that we want to ask, we're always hesitant to mm. um, unless those barriers are broken down. So even if you want to have a really deep spiritual conversation, sometimes it's better to do it after you've had the opportunity to, to eat together um, and just to spend some time getting to know each other personally rather than spiritually, even though your spiritual is part of your personal. Mm. But getting to the real person rather than the masked person that so often is evident at churches. Mm. Well, the psychology of eating together is so like, I mean, I haven't studied or anything, but just thinking off the top of my head, what are you saying when you're sitting down all together at a table or in a couch area, everybody's eating the same food. Everybody's drinking the same beverages, whatever that the case may be. And so what are you, what are you internally saying without any words at all you're saying you are my brother you are my sister we are partaking of the same food we are partaking of the same drink in essence we are saying that we are here together on the same level playing field you know and Uh, and it's far more important at a home rather than potluck at church because potluck at church could have 100 or 200 people and you're not actually able to make that personal connection so josh you were saying that you and Danella like 30 minutes from the church. Um, so it can be really tough to do that. Emma and I have not done this before with any of our churches, but even though we're 20-ish minutes from the church, the church actually had only moved from a previous location two years ago. And what that means is because they'd moved from a previous location, most of the church members actually live near where we live. So oh. even though it's 20 minutes from the church, it's five minutes from their home. Oh, cool. So yeah, the other thing awesome. to think on is you look at, you know, the, the gospel accounts of Jesus and his ministry. So much of his ministry was done over food. Mm. Now, let's take away the feeding of the 5,000 um, simply because that intimacy that I'm referring to probably can't occur quite with the 5,000 model as the Last Supper model or with, you know, eating at Lazarus's house mm. um, when area and winter Jesus like a lot of his actual discipleship even was done in someone's home in smaller groups where food was involved rather than let's all go to a church service for an hour or an hour and a half and hear a sermon and sing some songs like sure let's do that but not as the only expression of our community of faith that can actually be the cherry on top with the foundation being the let's eat together, let's do life together during the week. So food is not so much about let's eat per se, but actually let's be comfortable enough with one another that we can have people into our homes and do life together. Mm. Mm. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's like the, the missing factor of at least a lot of Adventist churches I've seen is there's like, you know, these people, but you wouldn't, they're not really people you actually do life with. 
um, you you do you do church with them. You go to a church service with them, or you don't even go with them. They're there as well, and you say hi to them, and you're nice, and maybe you will go to the same Bible study as them once a week or something. But it's not really like doing life, and that's that's a big thing that needs to really be broken down. It's actually we need to see each other as people and do the journey with each other and pray for each other and just get to know each other, like what's actually happening in your week and in your life, because that stuff doesn't show up when you when you meet at church, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it shows up. Well, sometimes it shows up in the car park afterwards sort of thing when you're chatting, but most of the time it shows up at other times, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. When I was at my previous church, um, this is, here's an idea for you guys. We had a social activity as a church that was run over Sabbath lunch called guess who's coming to lunch. Ooh. So what the idea was is they had like, six people that offered their home to host this thing. Um, and then anyone who wanted to participate, they they advised the organiser that they wanted to participate. And so the people participating on the day, no, sorry, backtrack, the week of they were given a, a dish to bring. So you bring a savoury or you bring a sweet or, or whatever it is. And then on the day they got an envelope that only had an address on it. So... <laughs> They would just rock up to the address and go into that address and have lunch with those people. And the sad, the sad reality is, I think, is that most people weren't familiar with the address, which means they haven't been doing life together with those people. But the feedback was that people loved it so much they wanted to, wanted to do it again because it was like an intergenerational, you know, older people, younger people, middle-aged people, divorced people, single mums, whatever it was, everyone together doing this fun thing uh and it was just this unique way to bring people into a community that was a little bit different to normal allow them to break down down those barriers and do life in a home which is far more realistic especially when we talk about outreach and the opportunity to do ministry with those who have not yet come to encounter jesus it's more likely that you're going to have an opportunity to speak to your neighbor in your home than in your church, especially if it's half an hour away. That's amazing. Mm. I, I that am really cool. I'm stealing I'm, that. Yeah, I'm stealing that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. All right. So, Josh, uh, BG, we yes. have come to the end. Could you quickly go through that list, just summarize for us again your four no, killer points? <laughs> Four points. Number one, get local. That is, attend your most local church, not the one that's 45 minutes away. Number two, be in the community so that whilst you're attending local, you're now seen by the community members. That way, if they do ever drop into church, you're able to minister to them and they can say, oh, haven't I seen you at the local cafe or the supermarket or whatever? Number three, take church seriously by really investing your time, your efforts, your money, yourself, uh, and being prepared to sacrifice your personal time, efforts, and, and, and whatnot for the sake of the church because kingdom growth and the gospel message is what we're here for. And then number four, eat together because those who eat together are doing life together. So good. So good. I uh, They're good points. Now I'm like, man, I wish our list was better before that we did. But anyway, no, Josh Josh killed it. That's awesome. So <laughs> thank you so much, Josh. Um, Absolutely, guys. 
Yep. And remember, everyone, we would love to hear your feedback um, on all four of these ideas because some of them are pretty radical there, Josh. You might have stirred some feathers. <laughs> Is that the expression? Stirred, I think the expression? stir the pot. Stir the pot. Ruffled some... So what's the feather one? Yeah, yeah. Ruffled. Yeah. Well, you might have stirred some feathers and rustled some pots. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, can, can you stir the pot with a feather? <laughs> You feathered the pot? I don't know. <laughs> um, but remember, guys, there's actually some really good discussions happening on our Facebook group, which is at Burn the Haystack Community. So if you would like to join that group, you have to use the secret password, Poppy Gloria. Yeah. People apply all the time, but they don't They don't answer the question. Poppy no. Gloria. There is put actually, it in or you won't get accepted. There is a huge list of people that have not answered the membership question, and it just pains me. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, man, I'd love to hear this person talk, but we have a rule. It's a growing list of people who haven't answered that membership question. It's very sad. It is. It is. I don't know if I should reject them or just leave them there. I'm not sure what the best thing to do. Because if they reject... <laughs> anyway, that's another... That's... How Facebook works. If we don't reject them, does that mean they can't reapply and try and put the right password sure. in? Yeah. yeah I need to look... This is what I've been meaning to look up and I keep forgetting about it. So I'm glad <laughs> we're talking about it so everybody can hear our <laughs> struggle. <laughs> this is our behind the scenes sort of angst. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and um, uh, I'll offer a couple of things. So once this episode releases, I'll make sure that we actually list in the Facebook group. I'll get in there myself, um, and yes. I'll list each of these points on individual posts yes. so that we can have conversations on them. Um, and then we'll find a time where I take over the Burn the Haystack Instagram, or we might do like a Facebook or Instagram Live thing um, on this as well. All right. These are all great ideas. And Laura, if we haven't told you about it already, that's what we're going to do. So... <laughs> This is it's here. Just... Get here, baby. First, hopefully not. Hopefully, we tell you before. <laughs> um, all right, all right. So, so yes, because we're podcast peoples. Yeah, that's right. Uh, hey, but... Josh, where's the best place for people to go to find all things burn the haystack? All the, all things burn the haystack are found at burnthehaystack.org. <laughs> Yay! Hey, Josh, do you wanna do you wanna do our outro? On um, well, I can. Am I just doing that's Josh, Josh and Jesse out? Yes. Yes, that's what you're doing. <laughs> then let's just do that. <laughs> Alright, sweet as. Alright. Perfect. <laughs> uh, awesome. That was great. Cool. How long was that? That didn't feel very long. That's about an hour. Huh. Cool. <laughs>